Hello and welcome to Fidelity Connects, a Fidelity Investments Canada podcast, connecting you to the world of investing and helping you stay ahead. Today on the program, we are introduced to a brand new product, the Fidelity Canada Long Short Alternative Fund. Portfolio manager Ritu Kumra will lead the new fund, and she joins Fidelity's CIO and portfolio manager Andrew Marchese on the show as they both highlight elements of the new portfolio and what it offers. Andrew and Ritu speak to host Pamela Ritchie about the fund's weighting and how it uses the full breadth of Fidelity's research capabilities to choose long and short positions to drive total return potential. The fund strategy capitalizes on research depth and breadth independent of the market or economic cycle. The fund also maintains equal weight on long and short sides following a 130 over 30 strategy with 100% net exposure. Andrew and Ritu add the fund is an all-ideas portfolio reflecting the research team's viewpoints across the coverage universe. This podcast was recorded on February 6, 2024. I wonder if we can just sort of start with the kind of why now, why are we talking about this type of investing, Ritu, to begin with? Sure. So the Fidelity Canadian Long Short Alternative Fund is a product that's all about our research process, packaged together in a 130-30 product. And so it really just harnesses what we think are competitive advantages, which are our people, our invest, our proven investment process, as well as our fidelity scale. And so now fund holders can actually own what we think is our most valuable asset, which is our research. And so it really does come down to the breadth and depth of our research capabilities. We've gone back into time and we've looked at um, what we do best. And so irrespective of the time, the time frame, we have seen that we are the research team has been very good stock pickers. But what's really interesting is that not only are we very strong at identifying securities that outperform the market, which are our buy-rated securities, we actually do an even better job of, of identifying securities that underperform the market, so our sell-rated mm. securities. And we're able to do that with remarkable consistency and accuracy. So this fund allows us to actually capture the full breadth of our research platform by going long on our buy rated names and going short on our sell rated names. And so really capturing the entire platform that we have on the research side. And so overlaying this research component is a rules-based framework that allows us to maximize our return while managing our risk such that we can deliver a core Canadian diversified fund. Hmm. So it's with, core. Yes, yeah. with very consistent risk and return metrics over time. So it's overall, it's a, it's a fund that is a core. It's a Canadian diversified fund, offers directional exposure to that of the market, um, and really capitalizes on the excess return being generated from our entire research platform by going going long on our buys and monetizing the the sells as well on the short side of the fund. And so really capturing the accuracy, the consistency, and the repeatability of our investment process. Okay, amazing. So we're gonna we're gonna go through this and could probably come back to a lot of those points. Andrew, bring us up to date on, on sort of the genesis of the of the product, where where it began, how did you get to today ultimately? Yeah, many years ago, um, in keeping with you know all things fidelity. Equity research is really the foundation of building our equity portfolios. And so we need to know at all times, is research working? Is it functioning well? So this spawned a research efficacy study with data dating all the way back to 2006. A research efficacy study. Okay. Right. Yeah. And so what we wanted to do is we wanted to examine the accuracy 
of our ratings internally, we rate stocks strong buy through strong sell. So we really wanted to examine, are we generating a lot of value through our buy and strong buy ideas? And, and commensurately, are we also um, avoiding our sell ideas? And how is all this research integrating itself into portfolio construction for our long-only mandates? And we also wanted to really examine, are there any systematic things that we can improve on? So it was one trying to see what the output is from our accuracy and value add, but also as a teaching tool for our analysts to say, hey, maybe these are some of the areas that we could improve on. And from that study, we learned a lot of things. We had a lot of conclusions. As Ritu said, we're very accurate hmm. in what to own and maybe even more so what not to own. Over time, very consistent, and it's not germane to any one sector of the market. It's actually true across all 11 gig sectors, and it's true over various points in the economic cycle. So that's a really, really good starting point. Now, we started to think, well, in a long-only portfolio, we can only capture on those strong buy and buy ideas. Those are the ideas that generally make their way into many long-only portfolios. But is there a way to capture our accuracy and efficacy on the sell rating. Well, the only way to do so would be if we developed a system by which we could short those sell ratings and then lever up our longs. And that brought us to the conclusion, one of many, that we should probably build a 130-30 portfolio off this research and follow it to a T. And we taught the analysts about the feedback we got from this study and we worked with the analysts to always continuously improve. That's what, you know, one of the hallmarks of what we do. But the other arm of that was then putting in the work to see if we could build a portfolio off this and you know, add value for our clients. It's fascinating. Okay, so just, well, because this is what's going out there. Ritu, I'll ask you to just bring us into a sharper focus on, so, so what's a 130-30 and what's a short? Just, just take us back so that we can go on knowing completely what we're talking about. Yes, absolutely. So 13030, effectively what we're able to do is with the short side of the fund, we're able to uh, borrow those securities, sell for cash, and implement it into the long side of the fund. And that's just kind of the mechanics behind it. And so we're able to implement the cash into our, our best ideas or into all of our, our, our buy rated names on the long side of the fund. In terms of what a short is, um, a short is effectively when we're not necessarily favorable on a security. And so that could be for a number of reasons. Um, it could be a change in fundamentals at the industry level or the company level. Um, there could be earnings downside. There could be a disconnect between valuation and earnings. And so there could be a whole host of reasons. I'm just naming off a few. And effectively what happens is when when um, we, we view uh, security as one that can underperform the market, so it would be sell rated, what, what happens is that we um, borrow that security in the market, we generate cash, and we do exactly what I said in terms of a 130-30. Um, in, in that process, I think it's very important to talk about the controls that we have in place on the short side of the fund. Great, okay. And so um, a few things to keep in mind. Um, we alluded to this rules-based approach um, that's where that kind of kicks in, okay. where we, we put up, we put quite a bit in the way of risk controls in place in order to, particularly on the short side. And so um, we have um, controls in place that will allow us to close a short position if the short, uh, the cost of borrow gets too high, which is indicative of um, the short interest in the stock. Uh, we have controls around size, so we don't necessarily let 
um, security size kind of just run away from us from a market drift standpoint. Um, and we also have uh, we have a, a rebalance feature which allows us to just pair back pair back the um, the bets that we're making um, that may again have have run away with market drift. But I think what's really important to know is that. Um, we have between any, anywhere between 120 to 190 positions at any given side, both within the long and the short side of the fund. But within that 30% that's on the short side, so 30% out of our gross 160 um, of gross exposure, um, we have between 40 and 80 securities at any given time. So it's a very, very diversified and the position sizes are quite small in nature. And it's all Canadian. And it's all Canadian. Okay. And, and we also have a very robust risk process in place. Um, I'm sure you've heard us speak about our quarterly risk reviews, yes. um, that you know it's a 75-page document making sure the fund is doing exactly what it's supposed to do. We get weekly risk reports, and we also just get just intraday monitoring emails if there's extreme volatility in any of our positions or a size gets too large that we're not comfortable with. And um, I guess one of the sort of obvious questions is, are there times through the research team um, where a short becomes a long at some point? Absolutely. I mean, that must happen too. Absolutely. And what happens in that case is subject to market liquidity. Uh, we will cover the short and um, and we will we'll move, we'll move that security into the long side of the fund. Really interesting. Andrew, I want to ask you a little bit about the markets, both of you about the markets. Um, you're sort of historian on markets. Um, it's been a wild ride even so far in this year um, for the Canadian markets, for the global markets. Just sort of your sense of why this type of strategy in markets such as these, in markets such as the last three years where we've seen everything. How does this how does this fit well now? I think it's really capturing the spectrum, the breadth and depth of our research, irrespective of where you believe we are in the market cycle or the economic cycle. Okay. And it allows you to um, really exploit sheer numbers. So our Canadian equity team is very large, covers a lot of securities, and it's really not about the country per se or trying to time the market in terms of what we think will happen um, based on some macroeconomic variables or whatnot. It's really about looking at single securities. And I think for this year, uh, even going forward, it's always the market generally tends to be dictated by corporate profits and cash flow. And that's where we spend the lion's share of our attention from a research perspective. So I think if you can capture high accuracy on the buy side, but then exploit things that we know are wrong, or we think are gonna be wrong to an investment thesis that the market may have, and exploit that and lever up your lungs accordingly, um, it allows you to generate value through all points of the cycle. And the long dated study that we did, you know, yes. you're, you're looking at now, um, as I said, about 18 years worth of data actually points to that conclusion, right? Over time, it generally works out. And a lot of it is, Ritu alluded to, is looking at a lot of securities and trying to add value on a lot of securities. And if you do so, you, you know, you increase your batting average, so to speak, and right. you can really take advantage of it from a portfolio perspective, more so than you could in a conventional long only perspective. Okay, I want to ask you about that before. Um, you said it's a large research team. It's, I mean, it's one of the biggest in Canada? Oh, we believe it is, yeah. And in okay. terms of our coverage list, yes. Okay, let's go into the, the construction itself. Um, some of the characteristics of the actual fund. Take us through, like, what would be sort of the top things you'd want everyone to know? Sure. So um, with this fund, it's 100% Canadian. So it's really a product 
that just stays in its lane. Okay. Um, and as we said, since we're trying to capture the entire breadth of our research platform, it's very diversified. So uh, as I mentioned earlier, at any given time, it has between 120 to 190 positions. Um, and that's because we're really just trying to capture our viewpoint and on every security that we cover. And um, is that pretty much every security that's in Canada? Um, listed, it's obviously. roughly can, Canadian securities. It's roughly um, around two hundred and thirty yeah. ish um, securities on the TSX, and we we cover our our research team covers about two hundred. Okay, so almost. And so almost, yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. And so um, and because we're trying to really capture that accuracy that we've been talking about, uh, we attempt to have a um, equal weight up on the long side as well as the short side while maintaining directional um, exposure to that of the market. So again, net exposure is about 100%, and so it's a 130-30. Deviates um, a little bit with market drift, but uh, with the constant rebalancing that we're doing, uh, not, not so much so. Um, we talked about the rebalancing features, and so what, what happens if we go from a long to a short um, is that's subject to market liquidity. It is um, implemented, it's implemented in short order. And then I think just lastly, what I would say about this product is um, it's an all ideas portfolio and not necessarily a best ideas portfolio because we're just okay. trying to capture um, our viewpoint on on what we cover under um, under our research process. Um, Andrew, would you there are other um, alt products that Fidelity has launched over the course of the last three years or so. I want to ask you that question. So where this fits or tell us a bit about the others, how 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 they work briefly, but ultimately to sort of showcase the fund that you're launching today? Yeah, so as many of our clients know, we launched over three years ago, three liquid alternatives products. Uh, Dan Dupont managing the global value long short, which is very much a play on a style bias towards value investing. And it really captures that style specific means of both going long and short securities. Uh, David Way does more of a North American 130-30, kind of core-ish, and I, I would say, that portfolio may have the most similarities to the one we're talking about today, but even then it has uh, U.S. representation uh, in it. Um, and then uh, third, Brett Delay has a market neutral portfolio, which is completely designed to have no market exposure through going 100% long, 100% short, so to speak, and having a beta of zero and zero dollar exposure. And so it is designed to have absolute returns irrespective of the market backdrop. So completely uncorrelated from the stock market. This portfolio, while it shares a, a 130-30 similarity to that of David Way's portfolio, the fact that it's um, looking exclusively at Canadian equities uh, as one of the chief hallmarks and has a kind of a rules-based overlay to it, makes it from a construction standpoint different than his as well. Okay. The, the real, um, I think, how is also differentiated is the sheer name count, as Ritu talked about. We want to really expo exploit as best we can the complete breadth and depth of our Canadian equity research. And so it's really seeing more names in the portfolio with very managed positions. And so it plays on really our ability to accurately forecast buy and sell recommendations as opposed to getting a lot of excess from uh, return from maybe a handful of stocks. Okay, okay, fascinating. A couple of questions rolling in here. Um, how is the long side being run uh, similar to Canadian um, uh, disciplined equity, yeah, how, do, 
either of you can take that, but do you want to sort of comment on that? Like how, how is the long side being minimized? So um, relative to discipline equity, discipline equity would be uh, what's characterized as a, as a best ideas fund. Right. Um, and so it's very concentrated and has uh, the analyst top ideas in it. So this one is um, for, it's, it's the all ideas fund. And so we try to capture every, um, every a viewpoint on every security that, that we have under coverage. The key difference between discipline equity and, um, and this fund is the fact that we can actually short securities. And so it allows us to monetize um, the alpha in our, in our short rated names and not necessarily just be limited to the, benchmark, the uh, index weight. Okay, okay, fantastic. Um, why the Canadian only focus versus US or global exposure? Andrew, you, you spoke about that a minute ago. Anything just to add there? No, I think it's it's one of the things that was closest to us. Uh, we yeah. directly manage it here. We've been doing it this way since 1998. We had a very robust data set to work with dating back to 2006. So it gave a lot of confidence in the conclusions that we were trying to draw out of that research efficacy study. So it was the most natural type of um, fit and first look at the uh, the quality of our research. And because it it's residing here in Toronto and it was directly accessible to us. Um, it made a lot of sense when we saw some of the, um, the numbers that fell out from it. Fascinating. Um, so let's go back, Ritu, a little bit to sort of why now there are other products there. This is, this is in terms of the alt style of doing things. It is a really interesting time in markets where everyone's trying to figure out a lot of macro ideas. Um, this comes to investors at a point, what would you say is sort of a point for investors to, to switch things up, to take this strategy and maybe look at other strategies? I mean, the diversification question comes up, it seems like a lot more in the last couple of years when we saw a lot of things correlated for a long time. Yes, and so actually that's a key theme that came up um, during our vision event last week mm -hmm. where um, diversification is extremely important. And that's where you know this fund, we actually have that. We have quite a bit of diversification. Um, with it being Canadian only, it's um, it's a product that, again, really just, you know, just is 100% Canada. And so you get that market exposure, but yet um, you don't necessarily have, um, you know, out of index ideas um, um, added to the fund. Um, but I think ultimately what this fund does, it really just capitalizes on the strength of our research platform. And that's that's really, um, that has been alpha generating, doing it on the long side as well as the short side, which is, I think, very unique to this fund. Yeah, really interesting. Um, so if you if you take us sort of back to this, this market neutrality piece of it, um, exposure to the markets, I mean, again, I, I guess, take us through sort of either the sectors or just some of the building blocks within it um, you'll be able to use whatever securities are available. It's a vast universe, but take us through, like, do, do you look at it the way you look at other funds? There's certain aspects of, of sectors and pieces of that story that are in there. Take us through the research a little bit into that. Yeah, absolutely. So what, what our focus is, is we're trying to offer as much flexibility in, um, in, in ex expressing as much, um, as much as we can in terms of our internal viewpoints. And so, um, we want to ensure that there's flexibility in the fund to actually offer that. And so as a result, um, we focus on um, guidance from the super sectors so that we can 
um, we have that flexibility within within the fund, whether it's on the long side or the short side. But again, like I said, we have that directional market exposure, but we um, we do have r roughly equal weights on both the long side and the and the short side. That directional markets. Okay, Andrew, where's where's the market going? <laughs> what's, what's that direction? Has it changed in the last five or six days as we get lots of interesting data out of it's, the US? It seems like the market consensus changes every five or six days based <laughs> on some does, of the data that we, we come into. Oh well. Maybe know, it doesn't matter is the answer. Maybe maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe that's it. I, I think, you know, as a, as I said uh, um, back at our vision twenty twenty four event, I think stock market this will will be led by corporate profits corporate profits have to pull their weight um, market returns last year were very narrow in breadth for perspective there's a lot of securities lagging the general kind of large cap mega cap growth stocks out yeah. there and so um, I think the call on those has to be right about where profits are going uh, some of those securities are adequately priced from a risk perspective others are not Okay. Right. So to the extent that you're not adequately priced and you disappoint on profits, those stocks are probably going down to the extent that maybe you disappoint a little bit, but that's already priced for the worse. Stocks are probably going up. We'll see how that kind of all ferrets out. But I think the, you know, from a, a top down perspective, certainly I think people can't stop talking about interest rates. And I think the, the trajectory. That's the first time you said it, actually. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's pretty good. We're, yeah, yeah, we're <laughs> several minutes into this conversation. Yeah, uh, but, but I think the trajectory on and the magnitude on interest rates is all going to be about, you know, the jobs market and, and inflation. It all comes back down to those two things. And um, that's why I think the tenor on these things, on the, on the discussion, on the narrative, um, changes every time there's a data print on those two metrics. Right. And so, but we're just going to keep our head down do our bottom-up research, focus on the fundamentals around what do you want to pay for a given security and what does it look like on a multi-year basis from a profit and cash flow perspective. Okay, and, and from all of the fundamentals, take us to the earnings piece and you know how you focus on that. In terms of research, That's that's got to be where you look. Yeah, absolutely. So our bread and butter is our research process. And so um, we come into work every day focused on making our fund holders money. And so from a research standpoint, that means our analysts day in and day out, they're looking at industry fundamentals, sector, uh, company fundamentals, they're scrubbing, um, they're scrubbing financial statements, they're going to conferences, meeting with management, um, modeling, looking at valuation. And this is where our, you know, going back to what I think our competitive advantages are, this is where uh, the Fidelity scale really helps. Um, we have to offer the resources as well as the corporate access um, that our analysts need in order to do their job well. And so we are able to, um, um, we have the ability to speak to management uh, if we need to, um, but not only just the C-suite, all the way down to mid-level or even lower level management as well, if it helps us with our thesis. Um, we're able to um, talk to industry experts, um, go to go visit, do site visits when we want, talk to buyers, talk to suppliers. And then the analysts, what they do is they put that mosaic together and they really try to fit the puzzle pieces together and then bring that back to the team, talk to each other, talk to PMs, talk to prior analysts in their role, maybe talk to their counterpart on the, on the fixed income side, talk to our, our quantum risk team, talk to our traders, and really synthesize that information and put it together um, in the form of a thesis. And so a lot goes back, a lot happens behind the scenes in order to help our fund holders make money. And this is repeated day in and day out, and we can do this um, given the size of our, our of our investment team. 
Fantastic. Any final thoughts, Andrew, to add to that? I mean, that, that was pretty good summary. I'm really excited about it. I mean, it, we, we've been doing research in Canada dating back to 1998. We've built a very, very strong team over the years. All the portfolio managers who serve on our team at one point were research analysts with us. So there's very much a positive feedback loop in the mentoring and setting the standard of practice and how we do things around here. There's tremendous continuity in the whole process. So we've kind of institutionalized what we do. Uh, and so I'm very excited about it. And, and the, the great thing, I was doing this efficacy study with our head of investment risk, and the results even surprised us. Really? Uh, there were things in there that actually even surprised us. Uh, and I know they surprised some of the, the research analysts as well. So I, I think that was really encouraging. So we did our work on this. We put a lot of time and effort into really understanding things. And I think we've come up with a really good idea. So I'm really excited about the launch today. And I'm really excited about what it means from a value generation for our clients. Congrats to both you, Ritu and Andrew. Thank you for joining us here today. Thank you for having Thanks, us. Thanks, All the best. Thanks for listening to the Fidelity Connects podcast. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to Fidelity Connects on your podcast platform of choice. And if you like what you're hearing, leave a review or a five-star rating. Fidelity mutual funds and ETFs are available by working with a financial advisor or through an online brokerage account. Visit fidelity.ca slash how to buy for more information. While visiting fidelity.ca, you can also find information on future live webcasts. And don't forget to follow Fidelity Canada on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks again. See you next time. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of Fidelity Investments Canada, ULC, or its affiliates. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. It is not an offer to sell or buy or endorsement, recommendation, or sponsorship of any entity or security cited. Read a fund's prospectus before investing. Funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently, and past performance may not be repeated. Fees, expenses, and commissions are all associated with fund investments.